Welcome, friends, to the Miles with Marty podcast. This is home base for running community love, and we're sponsored by Squirrels Nut Butter. Spread the lube, and your blister and chafing problems will go away. You can thank me later. Welcome, world. It's me again, Marty G, and I'm happy to present to you my interview with another awesome friend of the show, Chris Twiggs. It brings me great joy to connect on a deeper level with these incredible humans and to learn a lot from them. I hope it does for you as well. Just a quick current event I wanted to share in the ultra world in the southeastern region of the U.S. Don Lizenby and Mike Martinez, the Sober Sombrero, have teamed up and they are putting on a race on New Year's Day. Now, Don has always had, a, or for the last several years, has had a seven-hour ultra on New Year's Day down in the Palm Coast, Flagler Beach area. But this year, it's moving up to the Jennings State Forest near Jacksonville on a brand new trail called the Sand Ridge Trail. It's a, about a 1.2-mile uh, loop, I believe, and it's flat and not technical, but it is a beautiful trail. So, and it, both of those people have a very loyal following. And so it is going to sell out fast. And right now they're giving a 10% discount off uh, registration if you want to get in on it. So I will be posting links to that on my show notes. Check it out. Without further ado, I welcome and introduce to you Chris Twiggs. Welcome to the Miles with Marty podcast. I've got Chris Twiggs on the line. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Marty. Happy to be here. Right. Happy to have you. Chris, he's got a number of subjects that I would love to talk about. He's a training director for Galloway, I believe. Is that correct? That's right. I'm the uh, chief training officer for Galloway. Right. And also do a lot of pacing for Galloway, for races that that the Galloway Pacers pace with. Right. right. Yeah. Enjoy that. And a badass ultra runner. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm sure you've got a number of marathons in your belt. How many marathons have you? Uh, this past weekend, this past weekend, I ran uh, marathon number 103. Wow. Congratulations. That Thank was you. Air Force? It was. I was running uh, Air Force Marathon as a pacer. Cool. What group did you pace? Five hours. Okay. Um, which was uh, which was a lot of fun. Some races, so some races like the Disney Marathon have the Galloway Pacers pace the entire thing. And uh, and so that's great. But Air Force had a relationship with another pacing group because of a prior race director. And so they had another group pacing some of the faster times and they had us take over five and uh, the end, which is great. We all know that's where the fun is, is in the back of the pack. That's right. The party's in the back. Right. <laughs> great. Well, I, I definitely want to talk to you about Run, Walk, Run and and ultras. But before we do that, let's just kind of hear a little bit about your story, you know, where you're from and what got you in when you got into running and, and some of that. Yeah, you bet. So I grew up in Northeast Florida and I live in Fernandina Beach, which is where I grew up. And I was not particularly, I was not a runner when I was uh, young. I played tennis and golf and those sorts of things. And then when I got into college, started doing a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, a little bit of running just to kind of stay in shape, try not to gain too much weight. But what really happened was uh, I met this woman that became my wife and she was a runner and she came home. We'd only been married a couple of months and she came home and said, Hey, the Disney marathon is going to the, the Walt Disney world is going to have a marathon. And I think we should do it. And I was, I was not a runner at that point, 
but uh, we agreed to do it. It was actually a, a wonderful thing for our marriage. Training for a marathon together allowed us, instead of competing over who had the worst day at work or at school, instead, we could just burn off our energy running. And by the time we were done, we could laugh about all the silly stuff that had happened. And uh, the first Disney marathon in January 1994 was my first marathon. And this coming January will be the 30th anniversary. It would be the 30th Disney marathon. And I will have run all 30 of those. Um, so you're so a perfect marathoner there. Then. I am. I'm the perfect marathoner at Disney. And so that's how I got started. And then I got into ultras um, sometime around 2001, 2002, uh, I was I was not getting faster at marathons. I was getting kind of frustrated that my marathon times getting faster. And our local track club, the Jacksonville Track Club, decided to do a 50K. And that 50K is still going on, the Guana River 50K. It's a fantastic race, especially if somebody has a desire to run their first trail ultra. And so I ran that one uh, with a friend. We Neither one of us had ever gone that far before, but we'd both done marathons. And we had a blast, stayed side by side, did run, walk, run the whole way, ended up tying for third place, which is kind of, kind of a surprise. And it kind of opened up a whole new world to me. And I started trying to see how much farther could I go? So I did a 50 miler and then I did a hundred miler and then I did a harder hundred miler and eventually landed at the, you know, hundred miler of my dreams, which I've done a bunch of times. And somewhere along the way in doing ultras, I got faster as a marathoner. And so I've, I've, um, I've kind of, I got to the faster marathon times by way of increasing my mileage through the ultra running. So it, it worked out for me. And, uh, and it's been a great thing. So I still kind of split my year, half the year, I do a lot of marathons and half marathons, particularly as a pacer for Galloway. And then a lot of the year I'm spending training for ultras and running and recovering from ultra. Yeah. So when you did your first marathon and trained for it, did you train run, walk, run? I did not. I did not. Um, I used a different system and I honestly don't even remember the name of the book that we used for that first one. And it was, it was horrible. Marty, it was terrible. I, I remember very clearly I was working. So we were newly married. Uh, I was still in graduate school. My wife was in medical school. I was working three jobs on top of uh, being in school. And I remember coming home from one of my jobs on a Wednesday night and having to run a 13 miler in the middle. And I just said, this, there's, there's gotta be a better way than that. And, um, and then we met Jeff Galloway at the, uh, at the marathon and, and, uh, got his book and started using his method after that. And we didn't, we didn't really see the, the walk breaks were not something we paid, paid much attention to in his first book. Uh, they're there, but I they I didn't really notice them. But what I liked about the training when we were training for our second marathon and using schedule, what I liked was you could do it. A normal person could train for a marathon. You could do it with two short runs during the week and a long run on the weekend, and that I could fit that into my schedule. The thirteen miler in the middle of the week, I couldn't do that anymore. But two forty-five minute runs during the week and then a long run on the weekend, I could commit to that. Yeah. And so we used that method. Uh, that schedule. And then it was when we saw Jeff the next January, January 95, he was there uh, speaking at the expo at Disney. And that's when we heard him really talking about walk breaks. And we had never tried them before in training, but we decided, okay, we love his book. We think he's a genius. Let's try this method in the race 
and what do we have to lose? And I, I improved my marathon time by about 15 minutes by taking walk breaks. But my wife was the real star of the show. She improved by um, more than half an hour and ended up qualifying for Boston the very first time used walk breaks. And yeah, so that was, I mean, we were sold at that point. We were absolutely sold. And then how awesome it was when I started getting into ultras and I realized that run walk had been, it had been embraced by ultra running and not only that, but people were talking about Jeff Galloway, people that Jeff had never, never knew people that maybe had never met Jeff, but they had learned about run walk, some of them through his books. And so Jeff was already somebody that was respected in the ultra running world in some cases before he was really respected among marathoners. Yeah. And, and so that, I felt like that, that, that really made me feel like I had found my, found my group when I got into the ultra runner who were doing run walk. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, you know, I don't, I commented on one of your social media posts. I think it was a post when uh, Joe Fuller interviewed you for, about the hard rock, the most current, recent hard rock race. And uh, I don't know if you remember this comment, but when I did my first half marathon, which was at Disney Star Wars 2017, and uh, I had trained just like you said for your first marathon out there, busted my butt. You know, I even did, I say I did a 11 or 12 miler was my longest long run. But for me, I was moving up from a 10K, you know, and only been running just about a, a year and a half or two years. But anyway, you convinced me at the expo, the, I don't know the right word to try. You convinced me to try the run, walk, run method. And I had heard about it because, you know, my son and daughter-in-law worked for Disney mm-hmm. and, my, and my daughter-in-law's dad had run Disney marriage. And one of them had talked about Jeff, G- you know, that method. So I had kind of looked it up, but I had never tried it. And I tried it in, in that half marathon, even though I had trained the other way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my long runs, anything over 10 miles in my training, it's like my bones ached so much. I'm 57 now, so I was... That was what five years ago. So I was fifty-two, but uh-huh. my bones ache so much that I would have to soak in the tub and the ice just for a double-digit run. And uh, that day at the half marathon, I had it was like two twenty-five or something. I think I ran with the two thirty group. Great. Uh, and then the girl, you know, close with like in Epcot with about a mile and a half to go. She said, "Okay, if you want to finish." Fast or take off, you know, and so I took off. I had so much left, and uh, I could have run, a, you know, a two fifteen probably that time because I felt so strong at the end and uh, not sore at all. We did the parks the next day and just had an awesome time. And I went back to the hotel room that night and signed up for the marathon <laughs> next year. So, so twenty eighteen, the Disney marathon was my first marathon, and I give you a lot of the credit. Well, thank you. Well, I give Jeff Galloway the credit. You know, he's the one that uh, that kind of gave us permission to do this method. And I tell people, I I really, I, I do a lot of marathons. And when I'm doing them as a pacer, obviously I'm staying on a regular pace. But a couple of times a year, I try to run fast for me, you know. And um, if I thought I could run faster without walk breaks, I wouldn't wear any Galloway stuff. I wouldn't tell anybody what race I was doing. I'd sneak off someplace and get my fast time. And then later I would tell people that I would, you know, if I, if I thought I could go faster without walk breaks, even though Jeff signs my paychecks, I would do it without walk breaks. But the reason I never do that, the reason I wear Galloway stuff in my races and, uh, and the reason that I, um, that I take walk breaks is because I know it's going to work and it gets me the fastest times. And it's, 
you know, it's true now, obviously I'm in my fifties as well. Um, it's true now. And I think it's more accepted by older runners, but it's true for younger runners too. I mean, my son is 24 and he just got sub three hours for the first time in a marathon using walk breaks. He had tried to do it without walk breaks. And finally he decided, okay, he would go ahead and try the walk breaks and he went under three hours. So, um, it, it really, really does work for fast runners, slow runners, you know, old and young. And, uh, but I give Jeff Galloway the credit for coming up with it. But I sure as heck do my part to tell people. Yeah, I bought that book. I don't know if it was the same book you were talking about, but that was what I used to train for my first marathon. His book, You Can Do It or something yes. like that. Yes, Marathon, You Can Do It. It's a great yeah. book. That's it. He's got a bunch of them out there. I'll tell you another one that's worth picking up if you've done it is his trail running. book. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. It's a fantastic book and it has training schedules in it for 50K, 100K, 50 mile and 100. Oh, and, wow. um, he, he got a lot of uh, a lot of tips and feedback from different trail runners and ultra runners to put it together. And um, it's a it's a fantastic book. And it's I'm glad to see and not, but not at all surprised that the things he's telling people in that book fall right in line with the way that I've been doing you know, since I started. So so when I coach people ultra distant, I pretty much use the same guidelines established. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I ran into, I did the dopey challenge this year and I ran into Jeff and the lobby at animal kingdom. And I told him I was doing my first hundred miler this year in just a couple of months in December. And, uh, I give him all the credit, you know, his training for, and up for all the credit. Cause I could never at my level, you know, of expertise or you know, ability, I could never do that without the right method. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, you know, again, with, and ultras, nobody, nobody thinks twice. You take a walk break. Of course you take a walk break. Right. Um, maybe so, Jim, maybe Jim Walmsley don't, but everybody else does. <laughs> well, I can tell you from experience. I have, uh, I, I have done an ultra with, uh, Jim Walmsley. He and I actually, we, we weren't competing, but we were helping to pace a mutual friend of ours, uh, in a 50 miler last summer, a uh, summer of, of 21. And, um, so we had good conversations about that. So yeah, yeah. on a road and a road hundred, no, but in mountainous ones, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a good segue into the mountainous ones you mentioned that you uh, got into one of them. So Hard Rock is obviously one, a race that means a lot to you because you've done it a, a bunch of times. So what makes, what made that one so important to you to get into the first time around and, and what keeps you going back? Yeah, good question. Um, so it just so happens that my wife's great grandmother was born at the Camp Bird Mine, which is on the Hard Rock course. The Hard Rock goes right past that mine. And uh, that's just outside of Uray, Colorado. And she had a house there um, most of her life. And she, when she died, that house passed down to my mother-in-law. And I told my wife when we had kids that I wanted my kids to experience going out to, to Uray, to that part of Colorado, uh, the same as my wife did. She used to go out there in summers when she was a kid and her mother did go out there to visit her grandmother. So I, I wanted that. And it's a, it's a beautiful small town, Uray, Colorado and Silverton, which is where Hard Rock starts is a beautiful small town as well. They're really unspoiled by a lot of the things that we hate to see in, in big cities and all the, the traffic and the pollution and all those sorts of things, the overcrowding. So um, so I started going out to Uray and found out 
that there was this hundred miler that came through. And I'll tell you the truth, Marty, I had no idea that hard rock was, was revered. I had no idea that hard rock was, um, any different from any other hundred miler. I just knew that it came through this town that I loved. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool to do this race that comes right here through your And so, um, but you couldn't just sign up for it. You had to get a qualifier and the qualifiers were on this list that were kind of tough races. And I didn't think those would be good for me to start with. So I kind of came up with this four year plan where I did a 50 miler just to prove I could go that far. And then I did a hundred miler to prove I could go that far. My first hundred was Vermont trail hunt. And then I was like, okay, now that I've done a hundred miler, I'm ready to do a qualifier. So I did Leadville, which at the time was a qualifier. It's not listed. Um, a few years ago, they took um, Leadville and Western states. They removed qualifiers list from Hard Rock. Um, so, uh, but f- fortunately for me, Leadville was a qualifier at the time. So I did that, got my qualifier, and then I I did Hard Rock. It got in. And back then, this my first Hard Rock was 2005. It wasn't as as difficult to get in as it has become. And so that was why I picked it. And then I kept going back because. Well, they trick you. Uh, hard Rock's a big loop. And they tell you, it, in order to be a true hard rocker, you have to do it in both directions. Um, <laughs> in fact, uh, Jamil Corey came out with a video a month or so ago called True Hard Rocker. It's a really good video that followed him around the course this year. And it's it's funny because it was I think it was his sixth hard rock, but it was the first time he got to run it in the clockwise direction. And so he hadn't been a true hard rocker until he did it this year. So that's what got me to do it the second time. And then I I just really was hooked. I love that part of the world. Uh, Southwest Colorado, the San Juan Mountains are absolutely beautiful. Nothing at all like Florida. I love being in Florida. I love being a Floridian. But those those mountains are really, really special. And then I got to know some of the people that come back year after year. Some of them come back year after year, even if they don't get in. They're there to be a part of the crew that helps set things up around Silverton or take people out on hikes to learn the course or volunteer at the aid stations and all of those things. And so I just wanted to keep doing it because I realized those were my people. Those were my friends. That was my family. And so that's really, and if you ask, I think if you ask anyone who's done done hard rock more than once, they'd, they'd tell you the reason they keep doing it comes down to family. It comes down to that feeling. And that's true Marty, I think that's probably true of of almost every ultra that's been going on for more than a couple of years. You get people that get attached to that race and love that race, and they want to do everything they can to make people fall in love with that race the way that they did. And you see it, um, you see it at the Keys when you go down there. There are people that are there all the time and do it year after year. You see it. I see it when I go to that little uh, 31 miler, that that 50K, the Guana race. There are people doing it for years and years, and they volunteer there, and they want people to come back. Just about any ultra develops that family feeling. And so um, I fell into that family of hard rockers, and that's kind of why I keep going back and why I will go back every single time they let me in. Yeah. So how does a Florida guy train for those, for all that elevation? Yeah, it's hard, right? It's hard. <laughs> um, climbing, you can do climbing, right? I mean, we can find, we don't have hills where where I live. Uh, I've got one tiny little hill, which hardly counts. Um, but you can do stair climber, stair mill. You can do, I have a Versa climber, can use that. Um you can go out and run in the wind on a windy day, man. Start running into the wind. That's our hill. Uh, so you can do that. So there are ways that you can build up the leg strength that you're going to get. 
Um, but the reality is in order to succeed at a mountainous race, especially one that's at altitude, you have to get out there. You have to get your body out there on the course, the conditions, and to really to practice. For me, it's the downhill running because I have no way to practice downhill running where I am. So I was blessed when I started doing hard rock. I was a college professor, and so I just wouldn't teach in the summer. So I had the summers off. I would go out to Colorado. My in-laws have a house there, so I had a place to stay. And I would go out and I'd be there about three or four weeks before the race. Three weeks is enough time for your body to produce the red blood cells that they need to help you uh, succeed at altitude to deliver the oxygen to your muscle. And so I, I was doing that. And then in 2010, Jeff Galloway offered me uh, a job working for him. And it was a real blessing because it meant I could work from home or from wherever I am. And I could, I could be, I kind of turned the old stereotype on its head instead of the, the mother being home with the kids. I got to be the dad that was home with my three kids and got to take them to school and pick them up from school and go to all of the meetings and activities and things like that. And I'm really grateful to Jeff Galloway for giving me the job that, that allowed me to do those things so that I wasn't in a classroom an hour away, not able to get, get to them if somebody needed me. So, um, and so now I still work, uh, you know, I'm still working full-time for Jeff Galloway and it's just, it's all a matter of where I do my zoom calls. So how many clients do you carry at a time roughly? Yeah, man. Um, that's a really good question. I'm going to, I'm going to give you an exact number. And, um, so we have, we have, training programs all over the world. And uh, I help as part of my job is to help the people that are in those to help the people that run those training programs that put them on. Okay. I write training schedules for them and, and help them manage those. But in terms of people that I am personally coaching, um, I have at the moment active clients, 330. Holy cow. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, <laughs> it is a full-time job. It is a full-time job. And I'm I use a platform called Final Surge, which is a really awesome uh, online platform that my clients, when they go on their runs, their runs link to you know their Garmin or Coros watch or whatever it is, their Strava can link to Final Surge so that I can see how the workouts went. Um, they can put in comments that I can see and those sorts of things. But then what, what really allows me to do it is I hold a week, twice a week, I do Zoom calls, group Zoom calls with, with folks. And so whoever wants to, among my clients, they show up to those Zooms and they take, they take, you know, a couple hours or more each of those times, but we go through and people talk about how their training is going and ask questions. And I can update their schedules as we go. But then fortunately, once the schedule is loaded in a final surge, they can they can see it and know, they know what they're going to be doing uh, day by day. So I don't have to interact with every single one of those 300 plus people every day or every week. But when they need me, uh, I have the ability to be there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So we'll get back into the coaching part later, the training part later, because I've got tons of questions about that. But just back on your running or now you you mentioned Ure. Have, have you run the Ure one? I have. Yeah, absolutely. And I I really highly recommend it, Marty. I I seriously do. It's a great race. And the truth is, if if that race had been around when I started doing hard rock, I probably wouldn't have even considered hard rock because 
I wasn't in love with Silverton, Colorado. I wasn't in love with Telluride. I wasn't in love with Lake City. Those are the other cities that Hard Rock goes through. Um, I was in love with Uray. And so if the Uray 100 had existed back then, I probably would have done it. And I'd be a 16-time Uray 100 finisher, <laughs> 16-time Hard Rocker. Um, in 2019, there was too much snow in the San Juans for hard rock to take place. As a Floridian, it's hard to imagine that, but you know, in July, there was too much snow up in the mountain to do the race. So um, the Uray 100 has more elevation gain than hard rock does, but it has a lower, it stays at a lower altitude. So um, Uray starts, uh, Uray Low point in Ure is at 7,800, which is the same as it is for hard rock. That's Ure, when it comes to Ure is a low point. But while hard rock goes up to 14,000, ton of snow up there year round, uh, the Ure 100 only goes up to 13,000 once and stays mostly down kind of in the, the 10 to 12,000 range, kind of similar elevation range is what Leadville has. And so... Um, it's below where a lot of the, the snow takes place. It's below treeline for a lot of it. And so they were still able to do the Ure 100 in 2019, even though Hard Rock had. So there were four of us, four Hard Rockers that had finished Hard Rock multiple times that decided to go ahead and do the Ure 100. And I'll tell you, um, it was tough. One of one of the guys didn't finish. And uh, the three of us that did, I don't even know, remember what my time was, but it was over 48 hours, which is the cutoff for Hard Rock is 48. And it took me longer than that to do Uray. Fortunately, Uray offers long, a longer cutoff. Than, um, but it's it's a tough one. Uh, they do have a 50 miler, a 50 mile option, which is fantastic. And uh, that was, I mentioned I um, that Jim uh, Walmsley and I helped pace uh, a mutual friend of ours, Billy Simpson. Last year when he did the the 50 miler in your way, it's a tough 50, but it's, it's great. Uh, the race directors, Charles and Chris are fantastic guys. And I, I think they are, they are getting around them the same sort of culture that I was talking about with some other races and, and that hard rock has this family reunion atmosphere of people coming back to that race year after year. So, and the nice thing about the year a 50 and 100 is that you don't have to have the same sort of qualifiers that you for hard rock and there's no lottery there's no waiting list it's, it's kind of a, a hidden gem out there in the san juans that you can sign up for and do and i um yeah i, I really recommend it getting out there and uh and yeah the reason i asked about that race do you do you know how he started the photography i know how he yeah i know how he really well absolutely you know how he anyway. He he had posted some beautiful pictures. You know, he's he's got a real talent with that, but of, of some of the mountains in that area. Yeah, and I made a comment about it, and I said I really want to do a race out there. And he said, "Well, you should do the Uray 100. It's a nice entry level race." <laughs> <laughs> so I looked it up, and it was like what forty five thousand feet of elevation gain or something. Said, it's crazy, man. Yeah. So after that, I did that race, as I said, in, uh, in 2019 and how he, um, how he was, uh, taking pictures during that is an amazing race photographer. Anybody that's gone out to Western States or Angeles Crest or, you know, a, a ton of Cocodona 250, yeah. he goes to tons of races. Black Canyon. In yeah. And he's got 10 hard rock finishes himself. And, um, so he took pictures during that 2019 year a hundred. And then if you, if you, if you have a subscription to Ultra Running Magazine, the 29th, the November 2019 issue has an article in it 
that I wrote that's a review of the year 800 and how he provided the pictures for that. Actually, it's the other way around. How he took the pictures and he wanted to get them in the magazine. And they said, well, get somebody to write some words to go <laughs> with it. So, so he and I cooperated on uh, on that article. And how he's got the, the cover of Ultra Running Magazine this month is a picture he took at, uh, at Hard Rock, yeah. uh, Killian and Francois. He's skilled at that. Sure. I, I, I love how he, he is just a fantastic guy. Um, and he's now a, a year round resident there in Silverton. Um, they just broke ground on his house. I saw pictures of it. So I know I've got a place to stay when I go over to the Silverton, which is great. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So enough about the, the racing. And I know we could, I could talk forever about races, but uh, the main thing I wanted to talk to you about is incorporating the run walk, you know, to, to share that more with ultra runners. I know a lot of people do it. But mm -hmm. a lot of the people that I talk to that do it don't really do it in a manner that's like planned. You know what I mean? They run, right. run till they get tired and then walk or whatever and or run, run the flats and the downs and walk the uphills. And, and so I wanted to kind of get into the advantages that come from having a structured plan because that's kind of what I do. You know, I learned it with my very first marathon is where I really started practicing and training and uh, and still apply it. One thing that's different with me now, and I would like to hear kind of your comment on that too, is I'm doing heart rate training. Yes. And so because I have to keep, I'm 57, so my target heart rate in 30, then I have to do shorter run intervals to keep my heart rate. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I want to run longer but I can't without keeping my, I guess I can, but I have a tendency in my run. I've always done it and doing run walk. Cause I feel the energy as I run faster pace during the time that I run. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so I would love to be able to do, and it, it really depends on the temperature and the humidity and all that, how far you can go, but you get to the time where you got to slow down to walk when you're doing the heart rate thing. But I would just like hear your take on that, implementing heart rate with intervals and just, you know, share some ideas of how somebody that's not doing that, how they can implement that heart rate training without giving away your all your coaching skills. Hey, I don't mind, man. I don't mind. Shoot, my boss has all the stuff is, is published books, in his right? book, you know, yeah. um, I don't mind it a bit. So, um, yeah, you know, you, you, you're onto something, which is that when you do those shorter intervals, you can, if it's a shorter, shorter run segment between your walks, you can run faster during those short segments without causing your overall pace to get too fast and your heart rate to go up to, um, and what ends up happening when you run too far in between those walk breaks is you either end up going too fast or you end up uh, having to alter your gait, having to change your biomechanics of your running in order to slow yourself down. And so I, I, I imagine one way I describe it is imagine if, um, if Eeyore and Tigger were going out on a run together and they're going at Eeyore's pace the whole time. Tigger would be holding himself back so much that he'd be bouncing up and down all the time, which is what Tigger does anyway. But it's a good way to think of it that that in order for Tigger to run his pace, he needs he needs to be able to go faster. And so by doing a short segment of running, you can run faster during that without causing your overall time to go too fast and without causing your heart rate spike. So finding that right run-walk ratio is really, really important. And some people actually do better 
with longer run segment um, because they like that slower, that slower cadence is just more comfortable to them. And that's fine, but you need to kind of find that ratio that works for you. Jeff Galloway came up with a chart several years ago that we use. Um, it's been updated many, many times. The current version that we have, uh, we've had in 15, and it's based on the pace that you're going, the overall pace that you're going, we have a, a ratio that we recommend. And so when I'm coaching somebody and I know what pace they're going to be going on a particular run, whether it's a tempo run, whether they're rehearsing for a race, or if it's a long run where they're slowing themselves down or speed work, where they're going faster than the pace, whatever it is, I'll give them not just the pace, but I'll recommend the ratio that I think will work best for that pace because we know what's going to work best for most people at these paces. And then once you kind of feel how that is, how, how does that ratio feel, then you can start tweaking uh, as individuals and finding a ratio that really is fine-tuned to your body or fitness. And so it might change as you get fitter, as you get. So uh, we, we, we use that chart to kind of set those initial boundaries and have people see how they feel. And part of it is like you're talking about, if your heart rate's going up too high, even if you're not wearing a heart rate monitor, we naturally will do that. If you start huffing and puffing when you're running and it gets uncomfortable, you'll slow down. That's when that's when people will take walk breaks who hadn't even intended to take walk breaks when they're huffing and puffing and not feeling comfortable during the run, they'll slow down and walk break. So what you're doing with your heart rate monitor is you're watching that and you can tell, all right, I'm, I'm right at the edge of where this is good. But if I let that heart rate get up any higher, it's going to spike and I'm going to find myself uncomfortable and huffing and puffing and get an oxygen debt. You take that walk break, you slow yourself down and now you're staying manageable. And that's the idea. Um, Ultra running in particular is not about being comfortable, right? Ultra running is about uh, what is sustainably uncomfortable. So I know I'm not going to be comfortable in an ultra, but if it's not sustainable, then I don't want to go there. But what's the level of discomfort that I can handle for the distance or for the time? So the more we train, we kind of learn where that edge and we try to ride that. I don't use a lot of heart rate training in my own coaching, um, but I, I do some, especially when I've got clients that are looking for it. And I'm really fortunate that in addition to Jeff Galloway as a tour, I've had a, a coach by the name of Roy Benson. And Roy wrote the original heart or polar when polar came out with first heart rate. And and I know, I know, I know Roy really well. He actually retired Humilia Island where I live. And so I've I've worked with him and tried to understand all of the guidelines he put in place. And so when I have used heart rate, I, I a max heart rate test that he taught me between that and a person's resting heart rate, we established that people and, and doing those walk breaks to stay within the zones is all part of the plan. In ultra running, you were talking about you know, some people go by the terrain, right? And you have to do that in a mountain, right? You're not going to run up the mountains. There's no point in it. when your watch beeps and you're supposed to go up, there's no point in doing it. And when you're running down a mountain, your heart rate might be high. There's no point in walking when you're screaming down the side of a mountain. <laughs> so uh, you, you have to adjust based on the terrain for those things. But especially here in the South, when we've got a lot of relatively flat courses, Keys, Daytona, um, even the, the Guana Trail that I was mentioning, those are relatively flat courses. And so having a plan, having a run-walk plan that's based either on heart rate, like you're doing, or that's based on a, a schedule, having a little timer that beeps at you when it's time to run, when it's time to walk, um, or based on distance. I've got a friend, uh, that I think you know, Mark Burgett, 
um, who is an amazing, amazing ultra runner. And uh, he goes, he does his walk breaks based on distance. For a lot of his runs, he goes, does three walk breaks per mile. So rather than going on time, he's taking every third of a mile. He's doing walk break. Mm -hmm. And um, having that schedule, having that discipline, knowing you're going to do it, makes taking those big risks with big distances makes it much easier because you don't think of, okay, I've got to run a hundred miles. You don't even think I have to run to the next aid station. You think I've got to run for a minute or I've got to run for three minutes or I've got to run for a third of a mile or whatever it is. And that's way more, um, not just physically, but it's way more manageable psychologically. Definitely. Yeah. That's exactly the way I wrap my mind about it. You know, I say, well, the worst case scenario, if I'm hurting really bad, I can do 30 thirties <laughs> and I can maintain the cutoff pace doing 30 thirties e easily. You you can do anything for 30 seconds. Right. So yeah, it's, it's definitely helped. Well, that's awesome. So let's talk some more about, so I guess the, for somebody who's never done that before, the best thing to do is maybe go to the website, uh, the Galloway website, or to buy a book that to help them figure out what. Yeah. So you know, what I recommend is we have a, a calculator on our website. It's called a magic mile calculator. And so uh, what people can do is run a hard mile, run a fast mile. You could take walk breaks during it if you want, or you can run it straight through. The only rule we have about the magic mile is that you're not allowed to make yourself sick. We are against puking or on record <laughs> or against. So, um, so run, basically run a mile as hard as you can without making yourself sick. And you plug that time into our magic mile calculator. And what's cool about that is it will use that magic mile to help you understand what your predicted pace is for 5k, 10k, 10 mile, half marathon and marathon. And then it also gives a recommended long run pace for your long runs. And so once you see what those paces are, that chart that I mentioned before about what ratio to use for different paces, that chart's right below that calculator. So you could look at it and if it says that you should be doing your half marathons in 10 minutes a mile and your marathons in 11 minutes a mile and your long runs in 13 minutes per mile, it'll show you what's the run-walk ratio we recommend for 10, what do we recommend for 11, what do we recommend for 12, like that. And then that long run pace is what I typically recommend people use their training for their ultra. They may not it may be a pace that's still too fast to be sustainable for a hundred miles, but for all of the distance of the training runs, you're that that long run still be should still be sufficient. And I don't the way you, you you'd see if you do check out that trail running book that Jeff has. When I'm training people for hundred milers, I very rarely have them do longer any mile training run, but I do have them. I may have them do back to back to back twenty miles. I may have them do, uh, thirty miles in a day, broken up for several runs. Um, different things like that. But I I very rarely would have somebody training that's 30 or 40 or only exception. If you've got a race that you're able to incorporate as training for a longer, there's lots of things you can practice in a race. Of course, we love supporting races with our volunteering and with our, uh, yeah, I guess one of the things that I've been curious. About, so like I've got a next weekend, I've got a 12 hour coming. Up. My goal is to try to get to 50 miles. That would be a PR at that. Awesome. It would be awesome. a PR for that time. So I know that's a little over 14 minutes a mile maintained. Now my, zone to you know 130 beats a minute pace typically it's probably it's in lakeland it's probably gonna be hot in the middle of the day but yeah. 
on a nice, you know, 75 degree day, my pace is right around 12 minutes a mile to keep my heart rate right. So when you're planning or, you know, an ultra for this for yourself or whatever, do you plan on that zone two pace, which, you know, I consider to be my long run pace, or do you plan on 14 minutes a mile pace? I, so what I do is I plan on more that zone two pace because you're likely to take some breaks in there, right? You're likely to spend a few minutes here and there at an aid station or needing to go into a portalette or whatever. It's a rare individual that's going to run for 12 <laughs> hours straight. There, there are people out there that can do it, obviously, um, but it's a, you're not going to have very many people that do that. So what I would do is I would, um, especially in these time races where it's loops, I come up with a plan that's based on how many loops I want somebody to do before they take a break. I give them a range of pace that is what they should be averaging per lap or per mile. And then they, they, get a break, maybe it's a five minute break, maybe it's a 10 minute break after every so many laps. And, and, and I do that with 12, 12 hour races and 24 hour races. And even with something like I had a guy, a client who was doing across the years, um, a couple years ago, he got 400 miles in, wow. uh, during the 10 day. And so we had a plan for what his, how many sets of laps he was going to do with how much of a break each day during that event, so each that goal. It was hard, uh, you know, obviously it was hard, but um, having that plan with how many laps you're going to do before you take a break or how much of a break you get when you can break, it, it, it allows you to accomplish these huge, huge goals much easier because you're breaking it smaller chunks. Yeah, that's good. So I would love to put your contact information and all in my show notes so people can, if they want to get hooked up with Galloway's coaching, is that okay? Oh, please do. Absolutely. Um, most people can find me, Chris, C-H-R-I-S at jeffgalloway.com. And uh, I'm C-Twigs, C-T-W-I-G-G-S on a on a bunch of stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, but if you do, as you mentioned at the beginning, you're more likely to see pictures of uh, of tropical cocktails, uh, rum drinks and tiki drinks. You're more likely to see those than you are to see running stuff. Although because I just did the air force marathon, I did, I did combine them on my, my metal Monday, uh, on Monday, I did a, a test pilot cocktail. And so I showed off the metal from that. So speaking of that, so what today's Thursday, so I know you're probably not sore at all on Thursday from, from the weekend, but how do you, how did your legs feel? Was it on Sunday or Saturday? It was Saturday. It was a Saturday race. So how did your legs feel Sunday morning? Oh, fine. Just fine. Um, I mean, this is like you said, when you use those walk breaks, the recovery is, is ridiculous how fast you, um, when I did my first marathon without walk breaks, the only one I've ever done without walk, my very first one was that inaugural Disney. And I remember going into Walt Disney world the next day and you could tell who had done the marathon, <laughs> not, right? Because they're the ones that are going downstairs backwards. And, um, and you know, and it's just, you get that little nod to people like, yeah, you were the healthiest person in town yesterday and you, you walk like a 90 year old now. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that's just, that just doesn't happen anymore. You know, I mean, now I will admit after, after hard rock for sure, I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving a little bit slower after hard rock. And I take a few extra days off of running a hundred miler, but marathons, even a fast marathon doesn't, um, be, with the walk breaks, just the recovery is so much faster. And, um, and I love that. I would, I would never have as many marathons as I do if it weren't for the run walk method, because, 
Uh, they'd hurt too much and the recovery would take too. And I wouldn't want to do another one, but you know, I did, did a marathon last weekend. I'm not running one this weekend, but I am running a marathon next weekend. I've got a few more between now and the end. So have you done all 50 states yet? I have not. So my wife has a goal of doing all 50 states. And um, she made it very clear to me that that is not my goal. That's her thing. <laughs> and um, I my things are, I'm a perfect marathoner at Disney. And, um, and I'm the, the one Floridian the last 16 years that's, that's finished hard rock. Um, so between hard rock and between hard rock and Disney, she says that I've got enough things that are my thing. So the 50 States her. So I told her, fine, I will, I will go when she does Hawaii. I'll do that with her. When she does Alaska, I'll do that with her. She hasn't done this yet, but when she did, um, Detroit, I let her do that without me. When she did um, the Eisenhower Marathon in Abilene, Kansas, it's like, yep, that's all you. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm skipping the uh, the flyover states maybe a little bit, but I'll I'll still do the big. And the- my goal is marathon or ultra. So I so in some of those boring states, I'll try to find. Yeah, yeah, and you know um, there are there are some great ones. I I don't count my ultras when I when I'm counting up the marathons that I've done. I'm only thinking of my only thinking of marathons, but um, but the ultras there are some, some some fantastic ones. I really recommend Vermont. That first one that I did, they have a fifty and a hundred. They're on different weekends, and um, they're both really really cool. The fifty miler has mountain bikes that take part in it. So they let the mountain bikes go a little bit after the runners. And so you have the mountain bikes coming by, but then when you're doing the really steep climbs, you're going past the mountain bikers because they have to get off the bikes. And then um, the the hundred there still has horses as part of it. Just like when Western State started the Tevis Cup and there were horseback riders, the Vermont Trail 100 still has that. So when you're, when you're out there zooming along uh, or well or going slowly whatever you're doing during that hundred there are people out there riding horses running past you and it's kind of fun to see if you can beat any of the horses so there's some there's just some great races out there fantastic I, I love that adventure whether it's to do a half clients and friends that want to do a half marathon in every state I have some friends that just want to run in every state. And I think that's fantastic too. Yeah. Uh, we live in such an amazing country with such a huge diversity in terms of the geography and mountains and oceans and plains and deserts. And so uh, just to want to visit every state, fantastic. As runners, we should want to run in those places too. So you mentioned Western states. Do you have me? You've, you've not done that, right? I haven't. So Western States is really close to Hard Rock. Um, it's it's usually um, just a couple of weeks before Hard Rock. And so that's that's I've never entered the lottery for Western States because I always had Hard Rock that I was doing. Now, last few years, they've done the lotteries on the same day for Western for for Hard Rock or at least the same weekend. And it's fun to see. And And there are some people there are some some runners that I will freely admit are stronger people than I am. There are some people that can do both, and um, but I I know I'm not one of those people. I know <laughs> I could not do both in the same year. So I I would like to do Western at some point. It's not um, it's not a qualifier for Hard Rock. So if I did it, it would I um, I don't need a Hard Rock qualifier since I I finished Hard Rock this year. But if I don't get into Hard Rock this year, I'm still subject to the lottery. We're all subject to the lottery except for the previous year's winner. Um, so if I don't get into Hard Rock for a couple of years, I'll need a qualifier. And unless they put Western back on the list of qualifiers, um, 
I would, I would need to pick a different one. So, um, you know, I, I'm interested in it though, right? I mean, it's where it all started. It was the first trail hundred. Um, I, I love the idea of it and my friend, I have lots of friends that have done it and, um, and I respect them. I respect that race and I think I would really enjoy it, but uh, yeah, I just haven't had the, it's not been on my, on my list just yet because of hard rock. Understood. Well, I know it's on your list though. I know you're looking for it. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I just don't know. I, I just don't know if I will ever get to the point. I hate to say it like, because I sure want to, but to get to the point that I could accomplish something as challenging as hard rock, I would sure love to, because I love the epic scenery, you know, and the challenges. My first 50 K was up in North. It was not an easy one. It was up in North Georgia at uh, Blue Ridge and it was like 6,000 feet of elevation gain. So that's, that was no pushover for my first 50 K. I, Marty, I'll tell you something that should encourage you. One of the first people to get 10 finishes at Hard Rock was a guy named Uli Cam. Uh, and Uli swore that he never ran a step during Hard Rock, that he walked and hiked the entire thing. Um, and I believe him. I uh, I never... Uh, I, I didn't know Uli well, but I ran in 2004. I, I did 50 uh, plus miles of hard rock as a pacer and uh, was and the guy I was pacing was also going for his 10th finish. And um, he was kind of back and forth with Uli a bit. And Uli never ran. He just was a good hiker and he was a strong hiker and he hiked all the way up and hike fast or walk fast coming down. But even coming down from the steep slopes, he didn't run. So that should give you some hope that you don't, you don't have now. That's, that's the thing. Western States, I think, I think you have to be fast at Western. You know, I, I, the people that I know that have done well there, they're fast runners, they're fast road runners too. And so uh, to get in under the cutoffs there or at Leadville, when I did Leadville, that was a real challenge because you have to be fast at Leadville. Um, at Hard Rock, you don't have to be fast. You just have to be stubborn. You just have to not quit. And um, and so, like I said, Uli finished it 10 times without ever running a step. As long as you just keep going, as long as you keep plugging away, 48 hours is enough time to get it done. Um, it's It's not, I won't say nobody times out, but most people that don't finish Hard Rock, it's not because they time out. It's because they've gotten into an aid station and they just, they throw in the towel and I'm not judging that, but, um, but you know, it's not a place where you'd have to work timing. That gives me hope. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Cause I've got time. I can make it a good ways without having to, and I'm, yeah. and I've certainly learned, you know, from training for my first marathon, I used to be that guy that when things got tough, you know, at work, my personal life that I would give up and move on to something else. But marathon training taught me to commit to some work, power through it. Out there on those long runs all by myself, when it got hard, you know, and I didn't quit, it taught me a lot about myself, that I'm stronger than I... You know what, Marty, exactly. And that's what I love about coaching is I get to see people, I get to see that switch click for people. And I see it, I see it with people that do their first 100 miler, but I also see it with, um, you know, I see it with the the people who have been kicked around by an abusive spouse or dumped by a boyfriend or a girlfriend and told that they're nothing and that they don't matter. And then they decide they're going to do a 5K and they train for it 
and they accomplish that and they cross the finish line and they see that they're celebrated and they see that they can accomplish things and they see that they can work toward goals. And maybe they decide after that 5K, now I'm going to sign up for a 10K or, or even a half marathon or who knows. I see people that started off thinking they couldn't run a 5K and now they're training for the dopey at Disney. <laughs> um, so I, I see that all the time. And I'm, I'm really blessed to be in a position where um, I'm, you know, a good coach is really just a good cheerleader. I mean, yeah, I've, I've got training and experience to try to help people do the right things with, with their time and with their energy. But at the same time, I'm, I, I get to be there and say, yeah, I, I know you can do this thing. You you may not believe in yourself right now, but I know you can do this thing. And I'm going to help you do this thing. And you're going to be so proud of yourself when you accomplish it. And I think that's what I love about the running community. And you see it way more in the ultra running community where people are all out there celebrating each other's accomplishments, selling, celebrating uh, how far you get during a 12-hour run, how far you get during, even if people that don't necessarily finish uh, a distance for an ultra, how far you got, what you experienced, what you pushed yourself through. Um, I love the community. I love the support that we have for each other. And gosh, in this world, we need more of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's one one uh, comparison I made. You know, my first several races that I did, half marathon or longer, were run Disney races and the run disney community is very similar to the ultra community you know they're very that you get you know you get out there to the corrals at four o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and you huddle up and take selfies together and and visit with everybody and it's like a big family reunion you know every january well it's not just january anymore. it's january april and november and yep. But uh, it's awesome, awesome community. And the ultra community is very much like that. The only difference is, is you can park really close to the race with the ultra, <laughs> and you can go back to your car if you forget something and you don't have to get up at two o'clock in the morning, maybe five or four thirty. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's um, very with, supportive. Yeah. But with the Disney races, you typically get to sleep in a bed that night as yeah. opposed to in an ultra where you may still be out there with a headlamp all night. That's right. <laughs> seeing that seeing that second sunrise as hot chocolate. Oh my gosh, that second. I tell you what though, seeing that that second sunrise, that's boy, I think I know it happens for him, it happens for a lot of people. The energy that flows back into your body when that sun comes up on the second day. Oh, yeah. Um it's amazing. And that's I love that. People talk about in a marathon, people talk about hitting a wall. And I love that in ultra running, you might hit a bunch of walls. You hit walls and swamps and, and mountains and rivers and all sorts of things you hit. But but when that sun comes up that second day, it's like you've got new legs and move again, go fast and feel alive again. That's just fantastic. I will say that when I did the Ure 100, what made it the hardest was that I had to go all the way through a second night. <laughs> I saw the third sunrise. Man. That was a challenge. That was a big. <laughs> I bet. Did you sleep at all? No, I didn't. Um, I, 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 when I did my first hundred miler, when I did Vermont, I finished it, and I remember finishing, going back to a friend's house, showering, sleeping, changing clothes, going back to the finish, and seeing the last finisher. And I thought, man, I'm so glad that I got to sleep afterwards, and and I don't want to be that guy that's out there. Well, then when I did Leadville, I was that guy. I was, I finished just under the cutoff at Bill. I was so lucky to finish that thing. I had, gone. but, um, but again, I had not slept. I'd had to keep going. So I just, I realized that I'm better off continuing. Um, I don't, 
I don't take naps. I don't sleep during, not for, I've done, I've gone the hundred, hundred miles or longer 21 times and I've not taken naps or slept, but you know, I recognize that some people that's part of their strategy and, and some people that do that, there are people that can take a five hour nap and still finish five <laughs> hours ahead of me. Um, so good, you know, good for them if they can do that. But I just think my body I'm, I'm a little bit like, uh, you know, like we were talking about Eeyore, I'm that, I'm that slow and steady pace. I'm not super, super fast, but I can go that slow pace all day and all night and all into the next day. And so that's, that's how I do my ultra, my marathons. I try to go faster, but, but for the ultras, I just kind of get into that low gear and plug away the whole. Well, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you, Chris. I've, I've learned a lot and, uh, hopefully our listeners will too. I hope so. And Marty, I, I really enjoy the podcast. I've enjoyed listening to it and hearing all the fun people that you have uh, have interviewed. And I wish you the best of luck in your upcoming races. Thank you, sir. Well, I hope you have this. This podcast should be out in a week or so. So I'll, I'll be sure to send you a message. I, I'm subscribed. I'll get it when it comes out. I promise. Perfect. Love to hear that. Yeah. Well, you have a wonderful night, Chris. And thanks again. Thanks so much. If you need anything ever, just let me know. Will do. Wow, what a pleasure to talk to such a smart dude and an incredibly passionate runner. Hope you enjoyed it. Just want to remind you, I will have all this contact information in the show notes if you would like to hook up with Chris and maybe learn from him or go to the Galloway website to find out what your best intervals would be. This episode will be coming out on the second weekend of October. So I just wanted to wish good luck to all my friends that are running the Chicago Marathon this weekend. I'll be taking the Miles with Marty podcast crew of one, myself, up to the Blue Ridge Ultra in Blue Ridge, Georgia, to Man and Aid Station this weekend. So if you're going to be in the area, give me a shout and come by and see me. I'm sure I'll have my banner up and probably be wearing a Miles with Marty t-shirt. Don't forget that Arizona Trail FKT Challenge is coming up October 15th, so it starts next week. And on Monday, they will be doing the coin toss to figure out on which end of the state each runner gets to start on. And I think they're going to be doing that live on the Aravipa YouTube channel. So you might want to check that out. I will post the time of the showing on my website. And so if you have any questions, send me a direct message. And remember, they still have are taking uh, donations to the two charities that they're doing this all for to try to raise money. And those links are on my website. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and uh, run happy. I want to sincerely thank you for running your miles with Marty today. I know there's a lot of choices out there, and it means a lot to me that you chose to run or ride with me. I hope you enjoyed the show. If so, give us a review. Hit that subscribe button and spread the word, just like that running community love. We're on social media at Miles with Marty Podcast, and you can email us at mileswithmartypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, Squirrel's Nut Butter. Spread the lube at squirrelsnutbutter.com. Squirrel's Nut Butter.